0: Hello, I'm Jordan Dollar-Coltman. I'm with Elliot Tante and Brayden dollar Colman. You're listening to Hattrick. Thank you for joining us this week. We're going to talk some sports. Uh, Elliot, before we get to that, though, I do have to ask you this. Is it true that in the room you're sitting in right now, there is a giant painting General Mao?
1: Yeah, I, I believe it's I, it was Chairman Mao. Chairman uh, so Mao. Well,
0: General Gen- first, I suppose. But uh, yeah.
1: Yeah, we're we're big uh, Maoists in this, this.
0: It has certainly not been the start that uh, they or any of their fans had been hoping for. We talked a little bit about this last week, but it really, it's only been two weeks so far. And 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 I guess the question is this: Braden, is it too early to be hitting, or are you along with everyone else in oil country uh, already starting to um, to worry?
2: No, it's too early. I mean, I'm always worried as an Oilers fan, so what's new Uh, it's too early though they're they're just writing the script you guys this is just how this season's gonna begin they're writing the script they're getting it going you got that right
0: Braden that is how this season is going to begin. just gonna
2: just gonna start like that unfortunately uh I could have lived with the start that they had uh what I'm not all that thrilled with is losing uh, Mr. 97 for a week or two here I think oh, that's, that's a bigger like, a bigger issue. Yeah, let's talk about on. that.
0: So Elliot, when you heard the news that Connor McDavid was injured, first thoughts and uh and, and sort of where what, what what do you think that this means early in the season for a team that's already struggling? How 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 could this be affecting them or how will
1: this affect them? I think this is a real opportunity for the team. I think for a long time there's This team has been driven by Connor McDavid, and the expectation is that, you know, Connor McDavid does something sensational and everyone falls in behind. And sometimes we get secondary scoring, and sometimes we don't. And sometimes him and Leon Dreisaitl put up six points each, and that's how they win the game. I mean, this is an opportunity for Leon Dreisaitl, Evander Kane, Zach Hyman, Connor Brown. Any number of people on this team to step up, because... Yeah, you're losing the best player in the world and it's obviously going to be impactful and you're not going to have that superstar sort of feel. But here's an opportunity for the team to play like a normal team and, you know, defense and, um, uh, you know, not have someone other than 97 score goals. Uh, It's a real opportunity uh, for this team and uh, they should uh, take advantage of it. So obviously, you know, there's a couple
0: narratives playing out here. One is we don't really know what the injury is. I think what we observed last game was that it clearly was somewhere in the lower back to sort of hip area. Um, It was tricky to identify the exact moment of contact that may have caused that injury, but, you know, certainly not a joint. uh, As far as we can tell, it didn't look like it was the hip so much as above the hip and into the back. But obviously back is not ideal either i guess the question is braden they've identified it as sort of a one to two week thing the narrative obviously immediately turns oh my god he's not going to play the heritage classic elliot identified a couple players he feels are going to have to pick up the slack with mcdavid out of the lineup my question to you braden is not who do you think needs to do that but who do you think will
2: oh gosh who will
0: yeah who who would you who do you think will will pick up that slack
2: I think the likely candidates lie within the centers being Dreisaitl and Nuge. I think like, uh, like Tanti said, there's, there's a, you know, a a big opportunity here. Nuge has that um, uh, experience playing center. He's, he's played a lot of wing here with McDavid and Dreisaitl taking on most of that load. I do think Nuge and also Hyman. Hyman's been a very steady guy for the Oilers for a long time. And I think that that's going to be an opportunity where he can really step into that not only are they missing the leadership on the ice, but like they're missing the leadership that Connor brings to every single game, uh, through throughout the games. And I think, I think they're going to need to find personnel that will, will be able to talk to the players the way that, uh, um, that they're going to be missing. Now,
0: the other obvious sort of glaring um, storyline so far this season has been goaltending. It's been a question mark for a while with this team. Obviously last year we watched Stuart Skinner really step forward and become the guy. Uh, d- developed Slowly had developed his game and that last season was kind of the welcome to the NHL moment for him. He had a fantastic season um, even through some of the ups and downs, but he really took the, the lead stole the net away from Jack Campbell who had signed a massive deal. And now, you know, put himself in a position going into the playoffs last season where he was the starting goaltender. Now, so far this season, you can tell the Woodcroft is trying to get a bit more balance between those two guys, give them both an opportunity to get hot. We've seen flashes of improvement from Campbell. He's had games where we're clearly more comfortable than he was last season. Uh, and we've also seen perhaps some, some performance so far from Skinner that has that was unlike what we saw last year, where he was just Mr. Consistent, Elliot. I'll ask you kind of a similar question. What I asked at the very beginning: Is it too early to be panicking on these goaltenders? Because certainly that is one of the storylines you're going to get a lot if you were to turn on, you know, any of the current Edmonton media sort of narrative. There's that the, they really want to dig in on these goaltenders. They really want to sort of ask: Is there a goaltending crisis in Edmonton, or is this just sort of par for the course and what we've come to expect? Where the Oilers
1: goaltenders take a little while to get warm. Well, if it takes a while to get warm, I I don't know that I've ever felt like they've been warm. I mean, you mentioned Stuart Skinner, and yeah, he was certainly consistent, but was overplayed, and then that ended up hurting us in the playoffs last year. Um are we is it right for Oilers fans to be concerned and worried about goaltending? Absolutely. This is more this is more than a season now. Uh, of inconsistent goaltending. In fact, it's like close to four or five years. I don't know that we've had (laughs) consistent goaltending with the Edmonton Oilers since Connor McDavid was drafted. I mean, that's a bit hyperbolic. But you know what I'm saying here? Like, this has been an ongoing challenge for the Oilers for a long time. That being said, I think it discounts or undermines uh, just, I don't know, it's not effort, but just what is required to win hockey games consistently in the NHL which is just solid defensive play even in the game in which you know they won they destroyed Nashville if if you don't have uh Campbell standing on his head in the first 5 7 minutes of that game stopping numerous 2 on 1s and very good solid chances in front of him uh, you don't get the score that you get in that game. So for me, I, I really think about the quality of chances that they're giving up and the fact that this is, continues to be a problem. And I'm starting to wonder, you know, Woodcroft has done a great job of unlocking the offensive potential of this team, but maybe he's not good enough as an NHL coach to unlock what's needed from a defensive
2: side of the game. Don't, so don't you rely on your assistant coaches for that kind of thing? Does that all rest on the head coach? Well, ultimately they all report up. Right. But
1: I, you know, that's maybe a bit of a hot take to come after Woodcraft here, but what's clear from last year was that there's a different level. You need, you can't just outscore your mistakes in the playoffs. And again, the NHL in general, the Oilers are the best team at outscoring their mistakes. They have the two best players in the world. Uh, And they're still not winning games. And there's a commitment or, you know, an an interest in playing that type of hockey that has not manifested in this team. And at this point, who else do you point at other than the coach?
2: I I also think there's a big difference between making mistakes throughout the game and then making mistakes that lead to a loss, right? Because mistakes throughout the game, that's, that's, that's going to always, that will always happen regardless of a team you are. Even the teams that were undefeated, the Vegas Golden Knights are still making mistakes, but they're winning games. It's 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 the fact that they can't finish that will, if you know, <laughs> if it continues, will become more and more of a problem.
1: I mean, what does Sutter always say? This is a three-two league. When's the last time the Oilers ever won a game three-two? I can remember a lot of times where they've lost three-two, including the last one, but I don't remember a time when they've won three-two. When have they put up a solid defensive effort, defended a lead, or? You know, won a tight tight game like that. Now, they'll be off. You know, you look at the schedule, there will be examples and I'm being a bit, again, hyperbolic here, but it's a 3-2 league and the Edmonton Oilers consistently can, those are the games you need to be able to win and they haven't been able to demonstrate that they can do that. And whether that's goaltending, defensive play, the coach, structure, I don't know. That's not my job to figure out, but it's clear to me that that's the problem.
2: I just hope Connor doesn't come back too early. I mean, I know everybody's all hyped about this Heritage Classic thing, but if he comes back too early and this is a serious muscular problem, it, it, worse things will happen if if he's not back at a hundred percent.
1: All right, with that, let's leave it there. That's topic one. Wow, Jordan, we just said everything you agreed with.
0: No, nah, I just didn't have anything to add. <laughs> <laughs> Hey podcast listeners, my name is Larise Campbell and along with my co-host, former Olympic bobsledder, Alicia Olson, I am so excited to introduce you to the Mother Puck the Podcast and if you love the Oilers like we do, you are going to love our show. It's just two gals who aren't afraid to drop the gloves and throw some hot takes about the boys in blue and orange. Whether you're a massive hockey fan like us or just looking for some new voices talking about the Oilers' blue line, or lack thereof, we promise the show is for you. So subscribe now and tell your friends.
2: It's time for the Mother Pucker Podcast.
0: Let's talk some baseball here. We're uh, well on our way to having a proper matchup for the World Series. We have one team that's already punched their ticket. That is the Texas Rangers who win their series 4-3 tonight with a dominant 11-4 victory in game seven and the Arizona diamondbacks will force a game seven tonight, beating the Phillies five one. So we will see uh, that game tomorrow, or I guess today, depending on when you're listening to this, we are recording this Monday. So the diamondbacks Philly series also goes to seven. Certainly. uh, If you're a baseball fan, you are getting a very full, um, Menu of games to consume throughout October, which is always what you want, but they are both of those two series the championship series have been pushed now to the brink. Um, Let's start really quickly with the Rangers here and I had a I have sort of a funny one again being the most seasoned baseball fan and uh, uh, expert on the panel here. Here's a fun storyline for you. On December 21st, 19, or 2019, the Texas Rangers paid a nominal sum of cash for St. Louis Cardinals to the St. Louis Cardinals for the rights to a 26-year-old outfielder with only 17 uh major league at bats. Only 17 major league at bats. They paid him a little bit of money. They took him off the Cardinals' hands. His name is Ad, uh Ad, Adult Ad, Ad, Oh my god. Adults? Help me. Here, Brandon. Garcia. I got the Garcia part. How do you say the first name? Don't listen. Adolis Braden Adolis Adolis Garcia, right? This kid just broke a record or set. Yeah. Broke a record, set a new record uh, previously held by another Ranger. Ironically, Nelson Cruz, he hit 14 um, RBIs in the championship series to, to set the new mark there. He's batting. Uh, 357, uh, five home runs, just phenomenal 15 RBIs, phenomenal series for him. The Rangers, as you guys talked about the last time we talked about this, looked very, very good, very, very dominant. So, um, I don't think anyone here was surprised they won this series, but were you surprised, Braden, that it went to seven? Oh,
2: uh, yeah, I was, uh, I was surprised it went to seven because because I was still surprised the Rangers are as good as they are. Uh, The Houston Astros are, have been a dominant team, even since their big uh, uh, garbage can gate uh, era. I was, yeah, I was, I was surprised it went to seven. Absolutely. Uh, I'm more and more surprised with how deep this team gets. And then you you know, you forget that they started that game with Max Scherzer, like an an absolute all-star hall of fame ballot one day. Um yeah they're loaded. The Texas Rangers are going to make it very difficult who for whoever they play uh next in the in the World Series.
0: Now, um the Rangers obviously won game 6 to force game 7. I have a theory in in game 7s where I I would always rather be the team that forced the game 7 than the team that was that was in the lead and 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 let that game 6 slip away that that chance to to put the nail in the coffin. Um as as you as it were so when we turned to the other series, Elliot, we talked a lot about how good we thought the Phillies were. I think both you and Braden had the Phillies. I might be wrong in mem- remembering that, but the Phillies no, obviously uh, uh, have Tanti polling had
2: uh, the Rangers. No, no.
0: Sorry. Being in the world series though. I didn't, I don't mean the, the Rangers. I, I meant Phillies, the Phillies. you had the Phillies in this world series. Did you not Elliot? Was that not your pick? No, I doubt didn't. it. I well, don't think we did not. World he's not going to say pick. that now. No one's checking the tape, but, <laughs> but they win game six tonight. The question is, who do you think going into game seven has the upper hand here? Uh, diamondbacks,
1: oh, you mean the diamondbacks win? Yeah, no, That's I, yeah. I mean, I, I don't hate your theory. I've never really thought about it to that in depth, but I do think there is a, a certain advantage to the team that forces it. I mean, the, the tricky thing about that series is that it's in Philadelphia and it's probably the hardest ball stadium to win uh, as someone, you, you know, as the visiting team, so that is what the Diamondbacks face. They were able to do it tonight, but it's a whole different thing to be able to do it in two games in a row. I think, uh, you know, the smart money's on the Phillies, but the, I was watching, I, you know, I watched the back half of that Diamondbacks game uh, tonight or uh, they get that first game tonight. And I actually was pretty impressed with what the Diamondbacks brought. So, you know, I think it's a 50, 50 split for me, but I think the smart money would still be on the Phillies. Uh, and Brayden's pick holding up but I don't know that uh, uh, that's necessarily an easy decision
0: let's just never ever let this podcast become a betting show considering Elliot just said that a one game to win a series was 50 50 yeah no shit that's how it works each <laughs> team has an even shot before the first pitch is thrown of winning the uh, the baseball game listen so you
1: how go to and get proper odds on it I bet you it's not
2: me yeah, but you'd still win if you bet on both of them,
0: Braden. <laughs> Hello, you were very confident in the Phillies. We're gonna have, uh, we're gonna get themselves back into the World Series. They're obviously the defending champs. Arizona forces Game Seven. Do you prescribe to my theory that the winner of Game Six has a slight upper hand, at least sort of from a momentum or a psychological perspective, well, or do you still have d- faith in your Phillies? <laughs>
2: There, hold on a second. You got to go back and listen to the podcast we, we the episode we released last week because I never once said they were my Phillies. I said the Phillies would win this series, well, but I would like Phillies. they're your pick. You no, pick them. no 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 no. If you, you remember them. in the episode where I said the Phillies will win it, I prefaced by saying I wish the Arizona Diamondbacks would win this series. All right, and, yeah. and I think the Phillies would like, in the World Series though. So would, in that way, you
1: pick them to do Series. <laughs>
2: They kind of feel like your team. All right, well, let's switch it up. I I would like to prescribe to your theory. I would love to see this Arizona Diamondbacks uh, team in the World Series. They haven't been there for a long time. And what's fun about that, what's really fun about that is just like the Texas Rangers, both Arizona Diamondbacks and the Rangers were absolutely sputtering at the end of the season. Like they barely made it into the playoffs. And for both of those teams to make it into the World Series would be a, an absolute blast. A bunch of former Blue Jays as well. Uh, Moreno's having an absolute breakout se- uh, uh, postseason for the Diamondbacks catcher. Gurriel Jr. Is making his mark. I would love, love, love to see the Arizona Diamondbacks in the World Series. You like that I knew but that? You know, you but you know what? I didn't
0: acknowledge that I could tell you off the top of my head the last time the Diamondbacks were in a World Series. They lost to the New York Yankees in 2001.
2: Well, it was a 50-50 chance there that uh they would have been there. So um
0: I don't think that's quite how that works, but I picked
2: the year. I know good for you. They didn't I picked win it and... or looked it up?
0: No, I didn't look it up. I remember because it was after 9-11
2: and then oh, you went one. There you go. I remember very vividly, very clearly. Randy Johnson won. was that's right. pitching for the he yeah, was yeah,
0: in yeah. those old purple, white and black unis.
2: All right, so, so so, I just want to make a. I just want to make
1: a complaint. Like, uh, that Garcia was going to be my uh, hats off. So now, that uh, <laughs> ruin that for me. For well, the make it Corey Seager. The first Seeger's, time. That's the first. It's time be the the that this,
2: year.
1: this is the first time in the history of that show where we've not had a repeat. Uh, we've never had a repeat, and we've never had someone um, spoil someone's hat hats off. We've until. never had a repeat. Hats off. We've never. We've always come up with three different names. I've always tracked it because I've always. I used to pick two in case someone picked it, and I just don't. Oh, you mean
0: the the two of us picked the same person? You don't mean someone hasn't been picked on different
2: sequential shows? I think
0: there are people who have been picked more than once. I feel like the one
2: that I'm
1: picking now, I know I've done in the past. Okay, there you go, there you go. Because
0: I do feel like, like, like I feel like LeBron James has been picked more than once. I feel like not of the same episode. No, I understand now. Thank you for clarifying. Um. Do you want to, is there any final thoughts here on, on, on baseball? Anything you want to say to the Houston Astros as they lick their wounds and, and begin the uh, very short off season? Because I think like, doesn't pineapple league start in like two weeks or something?
2: Grapefruit mm-hmm. league. Grapefruit. Oh. Uh, Grapefruit uh, league. No, oh, but my it's a tropical fruit. Who cares? my
1: Tanty polling prediction. Is still available. I picked the Rangers, and then I said the Rangers were going to sweep the World Series in four games. So, that Does that pick, pick, pick change depending
0: on who the opponent is, or you just really didn't care? They're going to beat either of them.
1: Yeah, doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if it's a dynamax. It'd be nice to see the dynamax. Oh, my
2: gosh. Yeah, it'll be a 50-50 chance for them winning it.
1: Certainly better
0: travel for the Rangers if they only have to go to Arizona. It's a sh- much shorter flight from Arizona to Texas than it is from Texas to Philadelphia.
1: Just saying. Just, we're just throwing down facts here. on <laughs> well, I'm not
0: wrong. Nah. It's also a lot colder in Philadelphia right now than Arizona and Texas. I'm saying it would be a much more comfortable World Series for both teams. Am I wrong? You're not wrong. I'm not wrong. Thank you very much. That was topic two. Hey, football fans. The Ordinary Podcasting Network is very excited to welcome back for its second season, Running Down the Clock, presented by Puya Ricey and Tyler Walzak. These two football fans will sit down with you every Thursday of the NFL schedule to talk football. You can subscribe to Running Down the Clock anywhere you get your podcast. Uh! Okay. All right. Topic three, hats off. Elliot's already had his spoiled. So well, Elliot, I got a new one. I'm ready. Let's go to you for your, for your second one. Who do you got?
1: Well, this is a backup. And and no offense
0: to this person. He, he, yes, he was not going to take his hat off to you, but now he will.
1: I'll tell you why, because I don't like repeating. um, But I'm going to repeat because I know I've done this one before my hat this week goes off to Christine Sinclair who announced this week that she is retiring from international soccer after a long and very distinguished career. I think for all of us who spent any time at that U18 women's event that was at Commonwealth stand, stadium in Edmonton, some 20 something years ago where she was the breakout star there from that moment forward, she's catapulted onto the international stage. She's been a leader in women's sports and obviously the women's Canadian national team for a long time at the forefront of driving uh, issues of pay equity for women in sports and also just being someone that you know what is a real stand-up individual human being uh, and and someone that um, you know women across and people across this country have looked up to and so my hat goes off off to her for a remarkable career um, and uh, I think I speak on behalf of us when I say well done congratulations.
0: Very good one. That was your second choice,
2: but many Brayden Canadians choice.
0: first. Braden, who who are you taking your hat off to?
2: Okay, well that was a great segue, uh, Elliot, because uh, from one incredible legend, Canadian legend, um, to a, a soon to be household name, uh, I'm tipping my hat off to a Fede Fazio Ebert, Toronto teen who just won gold at the Pan American in games this last weekend in skateboarding. She's 13 years old and she is, uh, she's really making her mark on the world of skateboarding. Um, Fun fact about her. She wore a feather from her pet duck, Richard, in her helmet for good luck. Uh, So yeah, tip my hat to Faye DeFazio Ebert, who will soon be a household name in skateboarding um, and uh, possibly one day will be uh, uh, her name will be mentioned among other great Canadians, just like Christine Sinclair. I did watch some of the Pan American Games skateboarding competition this weekend, weirdly enough.
1: I wonder, is the next controversy in sports, people faking uh, ages? Because it turns out you're really good at a sport if you're young, like gymnastics, but also like skateboarding. You just like are really good if you're young.
0: Yeah, but that's already happened, Elliot.
1: It's know, like, that's, that's like all
0: of those, all of those kids who are in college, but they're really like 25. So that yeah. they can
2: be <laughs> I mean, Yarmir, Yarmir Yager is still productive.
0: The other one. Okay. That's, those are good. I had, I thought you were going somewhere else where like, is that the new controversy in sport where people start using like <laughs> their pet ducks as sympathy <laughs> to like get uh-huh. attention or whatever. But anyway, not sympathy. No, good no, luck. Just, a, just promotional. Yeah. Pet duck, Richard. Yeah, there you go okay I I will uh, cap us off here by taking my cap off to Travis Dermott of the Arizona coyotes who in the home opener for the Arizona coyotes uh um went out and played with some pride tape on his stick made a um important and, and very powerful statement right off the literally the puck drop of the NHL season after all of the controversy surrounding the NHL's banning of pride uh tape and the pro and, the, and pride and other things um, sort of theme night jerseys which were, was uh very a very poorly timed in my opinion decision by the NHL and uh, the way in which they hand, handled it much like many things Gary Bettman has done over the year incredibly ham handed and and just just an absolute like you could not possibly have done it in a less tactful, less appropriate and less effective way. If the idea was to take attention away from making these players have to address these things, he did the absolute and uh, like categorically did the opposite of that. But that is not what I am here to talk about. I'm here to talk about Travis Dermot, who is an ally and has been so his entire career. He has Proudly um, played multiple times with the Pride tape on his stick in regular non-themed games throughout his time with both uh, the Toronto Maple Leafs and the Vancouver Canucks. He is now playing for the Coyotes, and he, uh, when asked, said, I've always supported um, the LGBTQ plus community. I will continue to do so uh, if they find me or they you know, suspend me or whatever they're going to do. I really don't care. I'm going to continue to do this. It's something that's important to me. It's no one else's decision, but my own. And, um, and that was great. And I think that what is important in the message that that sends is that at the end of the day, players in all sports, athletes in all sports should always have space uh, left for them to share their own Opinions, if they so choose, and equally, they should be given space to choose not to if they so choose. And I think that that is the bigger message that was lost in how this whole situation unfolded. We had a decision made based on seven players in a league that has over 800, and it's just, it was just embarrassing. So I really appreciate Travis Dermot not shying away from something he's already been supportive of and just continuing that allyship. So my hat goes off to him. Uh, My hat also goes off to the two of you. Thank you for, uh, giving us no, a little you bit can only time. have one dude
2: no nope, no, nope, just one nope.
0: this one's a ceremonial one not official unofficial uh but i appreciate That's your awesome. time i also appreciate all of our listeners time thank you all for listening and we will uh, see you and talk to you next weekend that was hatrick hatrick is a member of the ordinary podcasting network it's produced every week by Jordan Dyler coltman and Braden Diller-Coltman. And follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Thanks for listening.
2: The Ordinary Podcasting Network wishes to acknowledge that the lands on which our conversations take place include... Treaty 6 territory, the traditional meeting ground and home for many Indigenous peoples, including the Cree, Dene, Soto, Blackfoot, Métis, and the Nakota Sioux peoples, as well as the unceded territories of the Coast Salish peoples, including the territories of the Musqueam, Squamish, and tsleil nations. We acknowledge
1: the many First Nations, Métis, and Inuit, whose footsteps have marked